0: Hey, how are our sounds? Pretty soundy. Tall enough? I reckon. All right. Hey, I just want to say I'm glad that you help us to make a good product.
1: Oh, you're because welcome.
0: Because it's important to have a good product. And For I mean sure. that. Even though I, f- I feel like I'm saying this sarcastically or facetiously, but I mean it. I
1: think it's too early to have that kind of nuance in your tone. I know what you mean, dude. And I love you, too. Nope, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. But, all right, enough of the banter.
2: What's what's the topic? Uh, do you have anything burning, Mike?
0: I have a back burner.
2: Oh, all right. All right. Well, let's see. Burner. So this one stems from we went down on Sunday uh, to help the Franciscans of the Eucharist serve all the religious of Chicago after the big mass. It was very cool. Um, and I had the chance to... Visit with some one of the missionaries of charity that was there, and I love the missionaries of charity. So they, I had worked with them when I was in Haiti, and I just everyone I've ever talked to, I found uh, just to be a very life-giving conversation. And so I had a good friend of mine from my Nebraska days who joined the MCS, and so this was um, this particular sister was fairly young, so I went up and introduced myself. Her name was Sister Anna. And I asked her if she knew my friend Katie, and she did, which was very, very cool, because my sister Katie has joined the contemplative part of the MCs now. So um, I think they were in the Bronx together, maybe.
1: There's a contemplative branch of the Missionaries of Charity?
2: Yeah, apparently. I had, I had no idea until Katie joined them. So I don't know what it like looks like. You said exactly. my sister Katie. Do you mean your friend? My friend Katie. Okay. Yep. It's early. yeah um, <laughs> So we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that may be true, but it's still
1: super confusing if you refer to everyone as your sister. Thanks. Thank you
2: for that. Uh yeah. (laughs) Just trying to live in reality. Yep. (laughs) So anyway, we're we're chatting and um at towards the end she was like, Well, I'll pray for you, you know, blah, blah blah and she was like, Just stay close to our lady. And um I was like, Yeah, you know thanks and i was like our lady and then saint therese they get me through you know they're they're my two go to's and she got really excited all of a sudden she was like yeah yeah she was like go to go to therese she was like have therese teach you how to be small and once you're small once you're little our lady can help you hmm. and she was like remember that for the rest of your life and so it's just a really beautiful conversation but that line stuck with me and so the question that i've had come up really since then it's only been a couple days was just the the practicality of how do we actually remain small and so um this particular line will need to be edited out connor but in my life right now just so you guys know two like big stresses were
0: relax
2: so for the podcast purposes I don't know how you're going to do this. Good luck. <laughs> but there's uh there's two specific things in my life going on right now that um, honestly the stakes are are fairly high on both of them. And I am just besides to pray like for these situations. I'm just at the end of the line. Like I can't do anything else about these two situations um, that are going on and there is kind of a heaviness to them right now the one the one in particular um, and so it's just that practical question um, of I've even had it up come up in a holy hour of like just this encouragement to to stay small like stay dependent on on God and um, you know pray and honestly it's been it's been very very peaceful with these like they come up you know every day in in my prayers and um typically like when i'm doing night prayer doing a little examine they'll come up and um but it's just like so every day is this conscious effort just to give like these two specific things to god knowing that there's really nothing else i can do about them um besides just to kind of see how they they play out trust that they're in god's hands well you could just try harder too yeah no there's i definitely want to do that um <laughs> you're right i should go you should yeah uh,
1: you have stuff to take care of man you should yeah i go have try stuff stuff.
2: To, to take care of um so i don't know if that like strikes any chords with with you guys um but it's similar to father cywick was we had him like a week ago or something and i've never had homiletics but He was explaining the difference—he did a really good job in this class. He was explaining the difference between explanation and proclamation and how you—like, when you give a homily, uh, people, in a sense, should already know what you're talking about. Like, that's not the time for specific catechesis. You need to be proclaiming God's Word in it. And um, just that little distinction— that he made, I thought was really good. Um, and he and then he talked about how, if you ever hear a really good question, like that's what that's what makes life life go. It's kind. Of, it's similar to when we were talking when my when my nephew asked me, um, "How do I be brave?" Like that was a really good question. Mm. And I feel like this one, at least in my own heart, has it, it's kind of like struck similar chords of. But God, how do I actually be small? Like, I talk about this all the time, and I'm on board. Um, but what what does that even look like?
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear what that looks like. I, it's not my strength. And as you know, I'm not a huge Therese guy. Right. Um, it just doesn't, I don't know, it's never really struck a chord with me. But I I mean, I get that. I remember one time I was praying the... Canticle of Mary for evening prayer mm-hmm. or no maybe I was reading it in a different translation and that first line which we normally say is uh, "Is it my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord for He has looked with favor on his lowly servant it was like you've looked kindly on the lowliness of your handmaid mm-hmm. or something like that just the way it was phrased a little bit differently uh, really I don't know blew me back thinking about the fact that what God loved about Mary was precisely her lowliness, her humility, which is, which was what made her available for grace made her available for, uh, a super intense mission because she knew it wasn't about her. Uh, and it was, it was the extremity of her lowliness, which made her so great. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's definitely, I mean, as we talk about, that's definitely not my tendency. My tendency is to be like, oh, man, I see all these things that need to be done. And maybe that was why I had trouble falling asleep last night. I was thinking about stuff. Exactly. I mean, it'd be pretty providential that you bring this up. And it's when I just start raging against whatever things that I see that need to be changed or things that aren't being run the way they should be run or, or whatever else. Or I start worrying about where am I going to be in five years or all this stupid crap that gets into your mind, uh, Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense to think about. It's just me trying to not be small, you know? (laughs) So Mike, how do you do it? Tell us.
0: Oh, I have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) You're not,
1: you're too tall to
2: be small. Yeah.
0: Honestly, it's, um, too big to fail. Too big to fail.
2: Yeah. You're, way too tall
0: i don't know this is actually it is a struggle i think i um and probably eh. it's it's really difficult because i would consider myself to be like a louder bigger person um i remember growing up i always would get the virtue of magnanimity when in (laughs) school when i was growing up what do you mean you'd get to that virtue So like at the end of the year, they would give kids, the teacher would would like parents day, your parents would come in and say like, oh, your kid is very loyal. And they would like describe your child and to the, the parents and give them a sense of like what type of a student they were and kind of just applaud them at the end of the year. And no joke for like, I mean, many years, I would get the virtue of magnanimity. And I didn't know what that meant. I no <laughs> what what that vice meant. did you get? Idiot. What? And their vice is
1: dummy. <laughs>
0: is what, what did you say?
1: I was just saying, what, what
0: vice did they give you? <laughs> uh, what, what did you think it was? Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> No, they, they said that was the other virtue. That was like the two virtues: <laughs> magnanimity and idiocy. <laughs> but uh, and so I, I I mean I would consider myself a loud kind of like a bigger a bigger person in a lot of ways. Um, and it's been tough, not tough. I guess it's just an unknown for me how to try and live littleness within kind of this big. Um, loud uh, personality that the Lord has given me. Um, And so it's come from a great place in prayer of really wanting to be myself and really understanding that the way that the Lord created me um, shouldn't be, like, crushed because I think I have this sense where I need to act like something I'm not because it's the pious Christian thing to do, which is repulsive to me Mm -hmm. and it it's honestly not life bringing when i think when when i when i feel like i need to do that of like oh i just need to be like really quiet and act like i'm very humble and all this stuff kind of these more pious notions um
1: yeah i would say my like kryptonite the thing that i'm just repulsed by is insincerity but particularly uh like religious or pious insincerity when i when i think that somebody's faking it um pietistical yeah piet, piet pietism pietistical pietistical <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah but then it, even that can kind of be a little bit of self-importance like here i am i'm so sincere i'm you know yeah
0: because yeah because it's yeah, so exactly. easy to fall fall into it yourself that you're just <clears throat> and i think A good measure of it at least for in my own in my own spiritual life really has been I mean I think Baron got it spot on with his three pathways and beginning with putting Christ in the center and I found that when I live with Christ in the center of my life and not me then I actually become more alive and actually louder and it's bizarre because that's not what you... I mean, it's way more fun to live with Christ in the middle from my point of view. And when I live with Christ in the middle and allow myself to be authentically who um, who I'm called to be in prayer as a son of the Father and um, knowing that the Holy Spirit is, is dwelling within me, I really uh, get excited and... I'm full of energy and, um, want to talk to a lot of people. So just a practicality. One thing that I've actually enjoyed doing a lot is understanding. Well, seeing that as a gift is saying that the Lord has created me this way and it's a good thing and I don't need to be different. Um, but two is that, uh, instead of like me just pumping myself up all the time, which is probably what it looked like for most of my life, but allowing the gift of my personality or whatever that God has given me to take people who like wouldn't usually talk and really try to involve them in conversation or be that person to people who don't, maybe don't have a lot of friends or doesn't look like they have many friends and just try and talk to them because it's, it's no problem for me really but it may be a big deal for them um and so trying to not act like i'm smaller than i am but to try and elevate other people with i think a gift that god's given me
1: yeah are you just you're just kind of struggling between i want to i want to be small because that's what you're supposed to do but i also don't want to be falsely humble Right. I don't want to squash yeah. my personality in an effort to try to be St. Therese.
0: Yeah. But then it's, there's also another element of like, well, maybe I'm just being a huge dingus. And I think like, oh, my personality is just so big and it's such a gift. That's literally what I just said. I said that. In, you know, Everyone's you know, always things thought things. I was great since I was a
1: little <laughs> kid. I always, I always Who, got magnanimity uh, in the virtue contest.
0: Who am I to crush this gift of me <laughs> that God has given to the world? <laughs> Seriously, that's essentially what I just said. So even now, it sounds like I'm still working through it and trying to live confidently in that. But yeah, you're right, Father. I think that's right. <clears throat> Did you have any thoughts on that or were you just pointing it out? Just just mirroring. Just mirroring? Mirroring. That's what they taught us to do. Yeah. So that's what I've been trying to do, just add other people into it. Like in a very real way, yeah, I'm at a lunch table and we're joking around and talk to that guy who's not joking, you know, and try and get him to elevate him, not just diminish whatever. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's just a practical thing that I've tried to live. But... Mm -hmm.
2: Why is there something rather than nothing? I don't know. Like the thought to me of still one of the most uh, like just stories I cannot compute in my head is the soldiers, and we've talked about this on here, but like the soldiers in World War One in the trenches reading story of a soul, and so there's something that just is like. It's the same thing you get, like, when Kyle talks about Faustina or just certain stories of, like, Edith Stein going to Auschwitz of just this, like, ironed will that comes with it. And I don't – so it looks like something in everyone's life, but, like, more and more I'm just convinced that, like, this is – like this little way is an articulation of what gave the martyrs the strength to do what they did. Not like any type of like, I'm just going to practice these small virtues. So I have the big virtues when, when I need them type deal. Um, But it's rather this like abandonment and littleness um, that you see in the saints of like, it really is I know it's re- it's not. I don't want to talk in cliches, but like it really is joyful for them when persecution happens. Yeah. And well, there's it's a like difference- that. It's like oh. a
1: reading from yesterday's uh, office of readings for conversion of Saint Paul, the Chrysostom reading. I think that's the best reading all year. It's a dude. That is a baller reading. Yeah,
2: that was very good. But the
1: the crux of it is the middle part where you know he's talking about how great Saint Paul is for like. Four or five paragraphs and then he goes something like uh the most important thing to saint paul was that he knew himself to be loved by christ yeah yeah and nothing would you know he'd rather suffer anything than be separated from that love Uh, but he always knew himself to be loved and that was the key to everything he achieved all the peoples he evangelized all the suffering he was able to endure on account of christ and all of this um i mean that's the i mean that you don't like by definition you can't strive to be loved it makes no sense right exactly you, uh either you are or you're not So i have a quick story i don't even know if i can put this or if i want to put this on the podcast but i just i got to hear you guys thoughts on this yeah so yesterday i uh i go to the shed aquarium it was a free day so I went nice. with another priest on my day off, inc- incognito, you know. Um, and so we were there for like four hours or something like that. We saw the dolphins, we saw the sea lions, we saw all the fish and whatnot. My favorite thing at the aquarium is the like the jellyfish or the weird kind of iridescent ones. But they they just got rid of that exhibit like a year ago. So I didn't see any of those, which was kind of a disappointment. But other than that, it was great one of my favorite museums. Mm-hmm. And then we go get some dinner at a sushi place in the city. And the, uh, waitress maybe is like, I don't know, between 20 and 24 years old and very friendly. And there weren't a lot of people in the restaurant, but she was just giving us a lot of attention. Uh, like from the moment we got in there mm-hmm. and smiling a lot. And I thought i You know, I'm not very good at signals or anything like that, but she just seemed friendly to me. But my uh, companion for dinner noticed it and was like, you know, whatever, commenting on it. And then like it got it. It was kind of awkward because it was clear that she was flirting with one or both of us. Mm -hmm. And uh then you're like it's kind of too late it would be just weird and awkward to kind of throw in like oh yeah we're both celibate priests um <laughs> so cool what do you do oh waitress right on <laughs> uh so we just kind of let it slide and then near the end of the meal Did she had a phone number no she literally asked us so what are you guys doing after this wow, wow. i not i have never experienced that and I did not know what to say and she I just go I guess going home (laughs) what I was just like (laughs) so so weird and I don't even know what we would talk about but it's like that it just blew me away like
0: that happened last night that
1: happened last night
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know go home Go back to my rectory. <laughs> Prepare to celebrate mass tomorrow. Yeah. Drop that one on her. Like, I'm I don't, I just, I just never sacrifice. was, I was never
1: part of that culture or whatever, like where you would pick up a waitress. Hmm. So I don't even know how that works, but I found it to be tremendously awkward. And I just wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. But then hmm. I was thinking, uh, like could i have witnessed there it's a, in some way or was it just too awkward
2: and weird i don't know i don't know I, the only story that comes up uh is a uh a priest that's probably that i know is like probably 10 years older than you um connor and he was telling me a couple of years ago not the same situation but he was in uh you know, just regular coes. He ran into a store. I don't know if he was on vacation or something, but he said he could tell, like the the lady behind the counter was very attractive and he could tell at one point she like deliberately looked down to see if he had a wedding ring on or not. And when she didn't when he didn't have one, he said you could just tell this lady was like zoned in on him. So it's different than this story, but but he had a very interesting take well, on it. She may have noticed that we didn't. Neither of us had rings on. I don't know. Yeah. I never noticed that stuff. So, um, yeah. I mean, it was just it, this story is like, I don't know. It, it was very interesting to me. Him telling it of like his reaction to it was, um, you know, and he said it was like an in. He was in line, like got his stuff, and and left. But it was like a very, like, very obvious that this lady was interested. Like, had he in that you know, whatever culture had he wanted to get her number or something like that, it would have been very, very simple to, to do. Um, but he was saying he, he just like went away from it and yeah, probably asked the question similarly of, um, like maybe could have been a little better witness there or whatever. But he said, I was like, I honestly just kind of rejoiced in it of like almost a sense of like, Hey, I still got it. (laughs) I type deal, you know, of, uh, like you don't um I don't know if even if that if that makes sense, but he said it, it did. It was like kind of a little, I don't know, confidence booster for him or not that he, he needed it or Well, it's another or, opportunity to choose celibacy. Yeah, yeah, even kind in of the slightest way. Kind of like, you know, he's you know, fifteen years into priesthood or something. And it, he said it was just this recognition of like, yeah, this is still his choice and he's still super happy doing it you know um and it's kind of like yeah it's just i don't know the guy that is a good is a good husband like knows knows what he has at home so it's not it's not like a just an immediate like awkward avoidance of all those situations but rather uh um they become fairly easy to handle when you're in the situation if you're
1: yeah, like, but I could imagine if I were not happy that that would be a very upsetting, yeah, thing. Yeah,
2: definitely, definitely.
1: You know, like I, I, um, I don't watch it a lot, but I've kind of had on the back burner the net Netflix, uh, Mad Men series. You ever watch Mad Men? I've seen a couple episodes
2: of Mad Men. At first,
1: it, I I watched maybe like two or three, um, I don't know, six months ago, and then didn't watch any for a while because I found it kind of boring. Yeah, it's a very slow developing show. But then once I got into the story behind the guy, the main guy, it was kind of like, oh man, this is really interesting. But yeah, one thing that I that keeps me from throwing it on all the time, other than having things to do, is that I hate, hate, hate like the adultery and divorce thing. Right, um, right. It just stresses me out. And hmm. you like, I feel like yelling at this guy, I'd be like, you idiot. What are yeah. you doing? You have kids, yeah. You have a wife, um, and it's just like, especially that character is just no, and so nonchalant, mm-hmm. um, which is pro- I think part of the point of the narrative to show you just kind of the
2: yeah side. Watched, when I watched a couple episodes and read a little bit on it, they said that that character is one. You know, it's I guess it's a pretty much consensus one of like the best. Most complex TV characters ever created. Um, it is it's the very show impressive. So, yeah, because the show develops him like so slowly that, like, his narrative, just the, I don't know, different intricacies of it. And um, it's very, very interesting, but continue.
1: Well, anyways, there's, I think there's a deep emptiness in him. Exactly. Um, yeah. And he doesn't know who he is. Even his name is fake. Um, and, his whole life in a way is a is a fraud and so it's not that big of a leap for him to cheat on his wife i guess Mm -hmm. it's clearly not there's very low threshold of of desire plus he's drinking a lot everybody's drinking in that show so his inhibitions are down and but it's i don't know it's just stressful and and annoying to see this guy throw stuff away um like that, make those decisions. But I could see like I guess the point is if you if you don't have a robust sense of yourself that would be I mean it's flat it was flattering, right? To be flirted with like that, but um it wasn't tempting to me. It wasn't like I was gonna leave my number on the receipt or something like that. Right. I wouldn't even know how to do that. (laughs) She called and be like, Oh hello. Have you ever experienced the power of prayer? (laughs) Um but you know what I mean? Like it—it would more likely than me like doing something stupid. Um, it would have been more likely that I, I just went home and felt like crap because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like that whole grass is greener on the other side thing. You know? Oh yeah. Um, and then like Hennessy said, if the grass is greener on the other side, it's time to water your lawn. <laughs> um, which is really true. Yeah. But it's all I mean it's about the human heart just wants intimacy, you know? It's like we were talking about a couple episodes ago about the the women's religious thing. Like my my feeling is that if you box got into categories of human intimacy, uh meaning like what I really want right now is just like someone to be thinking about me or um like someone to come home to or like in that way wife and kids can just feed an ego thing you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then celibacy feels like this big uh burden and you have to kind of advertise about like oh i'm so busy my life is so hard and like all this kind of peripheral validation stuff (coughs) a lot of people do in different walks of life but you see that where people sort of like beg you to affirm them about how hard their lives are Mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about absolutely Um, yeah um and that's Which really tempting. Is, I have a very tough life. Oh, my gosh, dude. I've so much oh heard about that. It's tough so tough. And not only am I celibate, but I also work so hard. Um no, that, got this podcast. Yeah, I got to edit a podcast. A ton, dude. Oh
0: we seriously did that for like a good five minutes this morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is so hard.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But we all validated each other, so it was cool. But I, I just see
1: that, and I, it's not like I never do that myself. That's why I notice it. It's, cause, it's precisely because I do. But, um, you know, there's all these things, that, these reflexive things where we reach out. Even a lot of social media, the way a lot of people use social media is just, this is what I'm doing right now. Hit favorite, you know, or like, let me know that you know that I exist. Yeah. The whole Walker Percy thing, like where the first face, if you're in a group photo, the first face you look for is your own. Yeah. Because you're kind of sub subconsciously checking to see if you still exist um but there's a there's a a profound longing to just be like to be validated in that way and that's what we constantly harp on is the is the role of prayer in life is to like St Paul know that you are loved by Christ you know yeah. know that you are desired because you can be fed very easily by being desired by a person you know because they're standing right there here they are uh, Asking me what I'm doing after this—that's yeah. a very forward. I mean, it's the most forward anyone has ever been with me uh, mm-hmm. since I was in seminary or ordained a priest. It's just, but if that fed something that I was not getting elsewhere, um, you know, of of someone desiring me, knowing me, affirming that I exist and that my existence is good—you could see how that would that would really wreck uh, celibacy, if it was, if it was built on a foundation of like, I feel good because everybody knows how hard I work and they see
2: the value of what I do. And yeah, you know what I mean? Like look how big this sacrifice I'm making right. is. Yeah. Which
0: is interesting
2: because that in a way
0: becomes like that pietistical inauthenticity, which or insincerity, which you also find, you know, y- you know, you don't like that. And I think you're doing a lot of those things like turns it into that. Uh Um, but you mentioned two, two big, more like movements interiorly that came up for me as you were telling the story is I found that two things I really are are constant, um, like just motivations and desires within, within myself is one is to be known by people and, and, um, I, I mean, I still am praying with it a ton, but not just the distinction of like being known by a lot of people, but be very well known by like close people so that they, they know who I am interiorly and as a human being to be understood and comprehended. I found that comes up a lot. And a lot of times that's like a motivation behind why I will share with people in a very transparent way. Um, But then number two is also uh, to be desired by uh, to be desired by another. And uh, I remember bringing that to Father Walter one time um, in confession was like, Father, I find myself like wanting attention by people like I don't when I think about it, like I don't know why I want their attention. And he mentioned that he was like, bring that to prayer and see if there's a place interiorly where the Lord is not. You don't feel like the Lord is desiring you there, um, because He, the idea, like He wants all of you. He wants, in, He wants you entirely, and any place where you try and fill fill that with a human desiring you, or like attention from another person, is just a gap where the Lord, you're not allowing the Lord to love you there, essentially. Um, so those are two big things, yeah, in prayer that actually come up a lot. Um, it's, yeah, it can be very, very tempting in a way when it's right there in front of you and it's already being given to you and it is freely given. Um, but the reality is that's even more true, if not more, uh, with our Lord, it's being freely given to you. It's right there in front of you. Um, it just has to be received really. Um,
2: yeah, you know said than done. What's great is that so Cywick also in this class the other day was talking about I think what he was saying was like one of his dreams is that he would ask a question so good on a test at some point that a student would just write that's a really good question and turn in the test (laughs) because like that's what he rejoices in (laughs) and I was just thinking like. This has kind of, in a way, been a delightful podcast because that question that I posed at the beginning of how do you, how do you be small, we have not even come close <laughs> to being able to answer that. True fact. Like, this has been freaking garbage <laughs> of us just rambling for the last 40 minutes. But I don't know. It just honestly, after that whole Cywick <laughs> class, like, that's kind of what I hoped it would be. Hmm. So thank you.
1: Well thanks Rob. That was a really great
2: compliment. That yeah. Was... <laughs> yeah. Come on, call it what it is. <laughs> call it what it is. No, that story though you told, I think there I did I did really I don't know, I did really appreciate there's something there's something with that of like the desire for intimacy and um like how that plays out in a very like real experience and um I don't know if you wanted in the podcast like that particular story, but I, I don't know. There, there's, something, there's something really cool that is there of like our life as priests, as celibate priests, et cetera, is not like constantly worrying how to avoid those situations. Mm-hmm. You know, but rather like when they come up, you know, it's a real like it's a real check of um like you know, is this something that's really stirring me up or was that really easy? And if it's really stirring me up or whatever, okay, don't freak out. But there's something that um, that needs to be addressed there. And I remember Deacon Keating talking about that after the 30-day, especially for celibates in today's world. You know, being You know, being in love with the church, being in love with the spirit or whatever you want to call it is very hard to stay in love like it's very hard. Mm. Um but
1: right and particularly if you yeah. you fell in love with the wrong thing. You thought yeah like you fell in love with the priesthood. Yeah, rather than God and his people, you know. Like what bothers me about uh Don Draper in that show Mad Men
2: mm-hmm.
1: is that he's not he's not in love enough with his kids, you right. know, and his wife. But particularly as kids, you know, you see, especially when their marriage splits up and everything, I mean, spoiler alert, this is shows like 10 years old or whatever, but they get divorced and you just see like, man, that's really a bummer for the kids um, to have a broken home like that. And he he was an idiot for doing that. Um, but like, yeah, falling lo- like if you fall in love with the priesthood. <clears throat> the way that you imagine that it should be, uh, that will always be disappointed. Like if you, you fall in love with marriage as an ideal, like this is what my life will be like. I'll always have someone to come home to and they'll, you know, be so nice and I'll never be lonely. Like you are lying to yourself. You know, um, you need to be in love with, with a person, not an idea. And when you're in love with a person, uh, That's kind of unconditional and you'll, you'll, it gets you out of yourself, you know, but celibacy or any vocation can quickly become, uh, it's like a, I don't know, striving to, to feed some, some inner lack, some inner, uh, whatever, emptiness and. I guess celibacy forces the issue, you know, because you can't, you can't sugarcoat it. You can't pretend that it's not an issue that like, uh, this intimacy, this confluence of wills between me and God must be complete. It's very high stakes, you know, otherwise, and it's not, not going to be always, you know, falling in love with a woman. It could be alcohol or work or buying yourself things or, Mm -hmm. or whatever other way that, um, you sort of, I don't know, are drawn to, to feed yourself. And, and maybe this does get to the question of how do you, to, how do I be small? Because that, that was Therese's whole thing, right? Like if I go low, 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 God will lift me up. Right. But there are all sorts of little ways that don't feel like their spiritual pride or, um, but like St. Bernard's whole thing about pride is, is like making yourself the exception to the rule. Hmm. Um, because you're kind of above it all and that certainly is a temptation i think it's a very subtle temptation like well i can just i can do this or i can say this or i can act this way or i can buy myself this or whatever because look at how much i've given up
2: oh yeah definitely
1: and that that's this quick road to perdition but it's a voice that's always there and you have to constantly be like nope 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 i am not i'm not above anything just because I'm a priest, mm-hmm.
0: um, you know. Yeah, that that was the thing that I remember. It was like our second year in seminary up here. The it it really it should be a constant thing that's happening. Um, I remember. Well, I can't remember exactly when it was, but yeah, it must have been second year. Or so, had been a year in seminary, really enjoying it. Um, had given up the you know, that girl that I was going to marry and thinking like, oh yeah, the celibacy thing, like I chose it. I gave up the girl that I was going to marry, the girl of my dreams. And, um, you know, now that decision is over and done with. Now I'm good. Like I'm just going to love the Lord more and become more, uh, you know, closely conformed to his priesthood and and that'll be great. And then... (laughs) you meet like a, just a really cute girl, a really wonderful girl. And that thing that you thought was gone or like, Oh, I already made that decision once. So it's okay. Now, like now all of those things are finished, all of those feelings and temptations and, uh, really joys and delights. Um, they're absolutely still there. Uh, and so in a lot of ways, it's, it's 100% natural and actually good to continually have those things, but it's 100% difficult and hard and, and kind of stinks a lot of times because then you have to re give your celibacy to the Lord, um, in the form of a a body and a being and a person that's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, here's the celibacy thing. Once again, um, that I thought I was over and done with and, it's happened a number of times since I've been in seminary of like, yeah, developing a little crush on a girl or something like that mm-hmm. and, and giving that to the Lord and then finding a deeper intimacy with him there. But it's, it's not anything that ever totally goes away. 100%.
1: Well, and also because you guys are in, you're still in seminary and you haven't committed publicly in front of God to a life of celibacy yet. Yeah. Um, it does it take, but it takes on a different color once you once you have promised it i mean it it is non-negotiable it is a settled question this is who i am now and this is the promise i've made and it's not just to god and it's not just to myself like people are just like the kids in that show are um even if they don't know it their lives they're depending on their parents to remain true to their promise to each other yeah like any kid well that's true of the church you know it's like uh people may say, "Oh, we think priests should be able to get married. It's so sad that they don't know what love is. and I mean how however shallow that argument is, it just, it it's not true. like you you would feel betrayed um, because I'm supposed to love you and be here yeah. for you. And whatever's going on in my own personal life, um, my love for you and my desire to serve you should take precedence, um, even when it's hard. So it is a settled question, but you're right. It does, it requires a vigilant heart. Um, but, and I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill because it wasn't like this was some crisis for me. It was just kind of a super weird thing that happened, but, um, but that's, it's a true fact anyway, that you do have to, uh, just like I imagine a married man has to constantly choose his wife again, choose this life, uh, especially when it's not going awesome, um, but it's true for celibacy too. It's This is an incarnational religion. This is not, I'm not like, we are not celibate because the body is so bad or sex is so bad or marriage is an inferior way of life. Celibacy is, is an incarnate, I mean, Jesus himself was celibate. Mm-hmm. He's the model, uh, but he was very much involved in people's lives uh, and he was celibate for our sake, just like he was crucified for our sake. So. That's all I have to say about that. All I got to say about that.
0: Forrest Gump. We should do a podcast on Forrest Gump sometime. (laughs) Let's
2: do it. Three dogs north are Juice, Seabisc, and Michael Metz.